But I'm here. Did you hear that? Had some low points in my life, but I'm here. Are you here this morning? Whatever you've been through in your life, highs and lows, down on your knees, but you're here. You able to proclaim, I am healed? I am healed. It acknowledges that you still got the scars. It acknowledges that you've been in those places. It acknowledges that there have been hurts and pains, but saying I am healed doesn't mean I'm done. It says I've had scars, and I'm still here. And I can praise God right here and right now because I am healed. I am healed. Oh, Jesus. We read the scripture today and we see Jesus is ready for a fight. Some scholars look at the Gospel of Mark and they want you to know right up front that Jesus is about action and he's ready for a fight. Right in the church, he's ready for a fight because he's in the synagogue and this wonderful healing takes place right at the beginning of his ministry. You know, sometimes these days we don't know what to do with stories like this, with things that look like miracles, things that are called healing, and we say, oh, that just doesn't happen anymore. We have a different way of looking at the world. You know, I want to tell you it happens every day. I want to tell you the same kind of power and happening is going on in your life, in people's lives around you, and in the world. Sometimes we have different names for it. Sometimes we just say, Jesus heals. I remember doing some studies in seminary about something they called spontaneous remission. Have you heard that word before? Does it sound really nice and big and intellectual and all that sort of stuff? You know, sometimes doctors and physicians use spontaneous remission because they think healing is just too uncouth. I'm here to say that Jesus heals. You may still have the scars. You may call it spontaneous remission. You may not know what in the heck healed you. You may not know until you look back years behind you and say, my God, I was healed. And I didn't even know it then. We might like to look at examples of unclean spirit, and we think of the more dramatic examples. We think of people that are really trapped and really caught. We think about the drunk driver that came up 11th Street this week. Did y'all hear about that story? Ran through the light at Ella, never put on his brakes, hit a couple of telephone poles, and ended at a tree. We had our electricity out for a full day and our wireless out for two. We look at him and we say, man, he's caught. Somehow there's an unclean spirit in there, even though he got out of his car just fine. You know, you've seen a few drunks do that. We like to look at that and say, oh my God, some kind of healing needs to happen. We like to look at those extreme examples and we like to say, okay, something needs to happen there. You know, let's look outside ourselves a little bit. Let's look at what those other people need to do. Let's figure out what kind of healing needs to take place over there instead of in here. But we have examples in our own lives of where we've been caught up and need to be released a friend of mine was in a counseling session, and he, the truth was about to hit him hard, and the truth was about to hit him in such a way that he had to speak it. You know, he had held it here for a long time, but he hadn't ever spoken it. And as he started to get ready to say the words that were the truth that would bring him liberation, he, his body reacted. 
and he got nauseous. In the place of the nauseous, he convulsed. And in that room, in that room, before he could speak the truth, he vomited. Just came out of him. He couldn't save any words. He had to get it all cleaned up, and finally, he spoke. He said, you know, back when I was in college, and I told my parents that I had attractions to the same gender, they put me in a facility. And in that facility, they said I had an unclean spirit. And they attached electrodes to me. And they shocked me over and over and over again. And I've never told anyone. He said, I have a broken back and clenched teeth. I have scars. I have scars. And I've never been able to tell anyone that I've been bound by the spirit my whole life of this experience in my world that my family did to me, right? With those who are supposed to love me. And he keeps talking and he starts crying in the midst of it, cleansing tears. Truth that brought liberating freedom He'd never been able to think he could be good enough to share that and still be seen as a whole person. That the scars made him more whole. That the ability to own that experience in his life would bring him to this place of freedom. Sometimes people think things are unclean spirits. They'd be really willing to say over there, that's an unclean spirit. When what Jesus asks us to do is to look inside ourselves and wonder what is going on right there. Some friend's daughter was consumed by anorexia. She couldn't see in the mirror who she was. She was just caught, unable to respond to what the visual truth was before her. And she kept not eating and not eating and not eating and was hospitalized. In one moment, there was a turning point. She had a new therapist who came to her and said, what I want you to do is I want you to start talking to the anorexia like it's its own being. I want you to start having a conversation with the anorexia like it's not you. I want you to engage in this relationship with what's holding you so tight. And I never saw that in a therapy book anywhere. But I want to tell you, once that young woman started having conversation with anorexia, within a few months, she was able to say, I'm through with you, and I'm ready for you to leave. She still had scars on her body. She had an arm that would forever not be able to be fully used because of the hold that it had on her in her young life. But she was able to speak to it and say, stay quiet. And then after saying, stay quiet, she was able to say, go away. I am through with you. We sometimes want to look at those extremes, and we celebrate that healing. But this example in the Gospel of Mark is not about those people out there. It's about all of us. It's about a human condition that Jesus comes to heal us from. It's about a human condition where we constantly, constantly, constantly say, be quiet, go away. You are not who I am. Those things that are against God's love, 
those things that are against the message that Christ brings to us? How do we quiet them? How do we say, your time is over? How do we say, go away? You know, because sometimes society will reward you for some of those things. You know, how tough you are. How much of a man you can be, Troy. <laughs> Some means with a low voice. Society rewards you for the, hey, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm going to see some possessed people this afternoon. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their body language. Oh, my Lord. Can we say, be quiet? You know? Haven't you ever been possessed before by anger where you felt like you had no control over it, by jealousy, by something in your life? You might have even spent money that you didn't need to or hurt someone's feelings, said words you didn't need to. You were just somehow not who you were and the Spirit says, okay, now be quiet. Move along now. We have no need of you anymore. All of us, all of us can be healed. The story is not about the extremes. It's about each and every person. Honestly, can you say you've never been possessed? I don't know. I can't. I can't. Watch yourself at the game today. In this healing, Jesus says very clearly... A truth that brings liberation. Jesus very clearly say, speaks a truth. And you hear the Spirit say, are you here to destroy us? Often these things we are attached to in such a way that we can't see how we can live life separate from them. And it feels like we're being destroyed. Well, what's being asked for us is to let go of that which is keeping us from being free. But respond, are you here to destroy us? Jesus says, okay, calm down. Be quiet. I'm here to bring liberation and freedom. Even on the Sabbath, Jesus got in trouble for that. So Jesus is ready for a fight, and he's ready for a fight in church, and he's ready for a fight in church on Sunday in this account. Mark says Jesus is ready for action This healing isn't only about us personally and only about the scars we carry individually, but also the healing that we need as a society, the healing we need as a a people. What did it mean that this person's in the temple and maybe they just even didn't see them anymore, had blinders on their eyes to the need because they didn't feel like they could make a difference? Or maybe it just wasn't their kind of person. Or maybe it was someone they really didn't ever want to speak to. Right there in church. But Jesus sees the person and heals them. He says, be liberated, be free, right here in church, right here on Sunday. But sometimes as a group of people, we can be so gripped by what's not true that we can do some stupid things. We can do things out of fear, out of anger. We can do things that don't make much sense. You know, we can be gripped by them. Some things we've seen reported this past year. We can see a man on the ground not breathing and think he's ready to attack us. 
We can see a person running away and think they're running at us. We can see people who are strangling, but think if they don't get strangled, they're going to jump up, even though there's no breath in them, and hurt us. Oh my, we can see a spirit, a spirit that's unclean, that has a hold of people so that even their sight can't be trusted. Even their feelings are working against them because it's so caught hold. What does it mean in our world, in our country, that our perception is so caught that such violence happens? Such violence happens over and over again. I was insulted in Chicago about 12, 13 years ago, the first Chicago Pride Parade I participated in. And so I was like, getting ready to go to the church float. And the church float, Holy Covenant Church, we had a float every year in the Pride Parade. And so I went, and I was supposed to be on the float because, you know, it's important that you're there. All this stuff. Wear your collar. It's important that you wear your collar. And so I did. And so I'm on the church float, but as I, go, as I get to it, I look. And what they have on the sides of the float and the back of it, to go into the Pride Parade is one word. It's in rainbow colors on the, each side and on the back. And the word is human. I'm going into pride. That's a pretty low bar, isn't it? Human. Jesus, in the healing, said that each life mattered. He said, this person is human and I can see you. Those queer people in that little church in Chicago were saying, you don't see us as human. You don't see us as worthy of healing. You don't see us as worthy of marriage back then. You don't see us as fully God's people. And so the fact that it said human on this pride float for a church in pride parade, ultimately, I got over myself. I let that spirit of insult go away. Because that was the core of it. Human. When I think of that these days, I think of the new signs that are up that say black lives matter. And I hear them saying human. Black lives matter. Human. Because some people don't see us that way. All lives don't matter the same. And sometimes I hear people getting insulted, saying, well, all lives matter, but it misses the point. Yes, Jesus would say, all lives do matter, and I'm healing the one with the unclean spirit because you say they don't matter. I'm healing the rest of these because you have not been living with the leper. You have excluded the paralytic. I'm healing these folks because you have said they don't matter like the rest of us do. These are the ones Jesus chose to heal. These are the ones the Gospel of Mark chose to tell us about. So what does it mean when we hear Black Lives Matter and we know that some of us don't believe that? And certainly the reality shows that as a society, we don't believe it. All lives do matter and in our country, in our world, Black lives have mattered less. 
even though God says, Jesus says, human speaks this truth into our world, this truth that can bring us liberation, this truth that can bring us freedom. It's heartbreaking. I watched Selma when it came out, and there's these points in times where Dr. King is arguing with President Johnson, and President Johnson is just saying, wait, 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 wait. Got other stuff we got to do. And Dr. King can't get through to him. There's a moment in the movie when President Johnson is confronted with Governor Wallace, George Wallace. And there's this moment in time when Johnson speaks the truth that he probably hasn't spoken out loud to himself. And the truth is, I can see the unclean spirit, and it's not going to be me anymore. Now, that's not the dialogue in the movie. You need to see it yourself. But between Governor, Johnson, Governor Wallace and President Johnson, Johnson hears the words, sees the mirror, sees the unclean spirit, and says, that's not going to be me anymore. He couldn't hear it before. He was willing to delay when people had water hoses on them or dogs or were killed. But in the mirror, seeing the unclean spirit that was his own, he's able to shift and find healing with scars all around. It's Black History Month. We celebrate how far we've come. We remember the scars, not just born on black bodies, but scars of people who've loved and cared and fought for justice. And we hope for even more. We hope for a world where Black Lives Matter is not a necessary sign anymore. Because the truth is that we all are treated as if all lives matter and are trusted into God's care with beauty. Now see, there's an unclean spirit that works against this. There's an unclean spirit that I would say it's just the wedge spirit, W-E-D-G-E. And this wedge is something that people try to use to keep folks separate from one another so that their voice and their power is diminished. They get them arguing about what will happen if these people get rights but not these. What will happen if we actually ask for everything we need instead of this little thing we need. What will happen if dollars and money sent to queer organizations is spent in the fight against racial justice, for racial justice. And there's this fear that there's just not enough to go around. And they use that fear that there's not enough liberation to go around. There's not enough love to go around. There's not enough resources to go around to drive a wedge between people who are working for the same cause. God's divinity, God's love, God's sacredness in each and every beautiful being. Each and every being's right to choose who they love, to live and breathe without fear. But that wedge is used over and over again to keep communities of color from supporting queer communities, to keeping queer communities from supporting women's rights and people of color communities. Are we a people that can hear the truth that we've been separate too long? Are we a people who, when we leave this space, where we try to work on inclusion and diversity and we go out into the world where it may not look like that anymore, that we're able to speak truth to unclean spirits? Whatever scars it may bring, 
knowing that we'll still be here and God will still be with us and that we will be healed. When I moved to Chicago, I went up there for an interview first. And during the interview, everything went fine. They said, we want you for the job. I got back home the day later, and, as, and the board of directors chair called me. He called me and said, Troy, we need to get ready for the press release. Send it out for people to know what's going on and that you're our new executive director. We're proud to have you on board. And by the way, half the board thinks you're a racist. You hired me? Half the board thinks you're a racist. It felt like a gut to the stomach. I just curled up. I stayed on the sofa for hours. What was going on? They'd asked what I'd done to work with HIV and AIDS with communities of color. And I shared with them what we had done and that it was difficult. But I had a partner named Dina, and together Dina and I went into all sorts of places and were able to bring a greater word to people who weren't getting resources. And in the conversation about Dina, I said, and Dina tells me, she says, oh, Troy, you know what? I'm your passport. And without me, you don't get to talk to these communities. I'm your passport. Dina was an African-American woman, HIV positive, mother of two. And she said, when I'm with you, I'm your passport. People will listen. Well, that group had heard that and said that I called her a thing. I called her a thing instead of a human. I didn't see her as a person. I saw her as an object. And so half of the board said that I was racist. And on that sofa, I said, well, I can't take the job then. You know, I just, I can't do it. Uh, and so I'm curled up, hurting. And in that place of hurt, I called the person who recruited me for the position. And luckily, he lived in Houston. And he came over, and he said to me, Troy, get up off that sofa. He said, we need you because you know you're racist. We need you because you're from Texas. And you know what it means to work both in white communities and people of color communities. We need you because this board doesn't know that it's racist. We need you because this queer community and faith community doesn't yet understand intersectional justice. We need you for these reasons. And in that moment, in that moment, it took, took a long time with the organization, but in that moment, I was able to release the spirit that consumed me. Truth is, as a white person, I will always know privilege, and there will always be moments of racist behavior that helps me. And I need to ever be aware of it. And I need to ever exercise it from my life so that I may be free and others may be free as well. So however you are today, when that truth comes to you, it may kick you in the gut, it may put you on the sofa, but all of us are called not to be paralyzed, not to stay on the sofa, but to get up and walk into those places and proclaim the truth that Jesus is ready for a fight. I'm going to call you out so that you know that all God's children are loved. In Christ's name, amen.
in the Bible day. They had been sick for so very long. But then one day, Jesus passed their way. And their disease was healed that day. But they all went on their merry, merry way. But one came back and said, and said, 